755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. It is on the air now. Hello and welcome into the latest edition of 755 is Real. Producer Cam here with you. A live room edition of 755 is Real. David and Eric answering your Braves questions in real time on the Athletic app. A great turnout as always. If you weren't able to join today but want to be notified when we do host the live rooms, make sure you're following David and Eric on Twitter at DOBrienATL and at EOF34. Also make sure you're following the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get the show. In addition, make sure you are subscribed to us on YouTube, where we post all of our podcasts, including the video shows. In today's live room, stellar questions, as always. It's what we come to expect of you guys. Questions regarding the Braves' daytime game woes. David and Eric kind of dissect and speculate on why Atlanta has struggled so much in those types of matchups. In addition, the guys look into Spencer Strider's oblique injury and how that may set up the Mets series, a question regarding the wild card versus the divisional crown. Is there a benefit actually to just playing the wild card game? David and Eric share their insight into that and much more in today's show. And as always, without you guys supporting the show, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be doing it. So thank you so much for your constant support. And without further ado, here's David and Eric. Well, I guess the biggest one over the weekend was, uh, well, before yesterday's base running snafu. That proved quite costly. Um, was Spencer Strider getting uh, getting scratched from a start? You know, they called it uh, oblique strain or oblique soreness. I really think it was one of those things that would not have stopped him from pitching, especially in a big game. But it was a convenient way to uh, kind of shuffle shuffle the rotation and get him lined up to pitch in that Mets series to get the three big guys lined up in that Mets series. And I'm assuming, you know, Freed and Kyle Wright are going to be the other two pitching in that three game Mets series. Um, that's just me speculating. They have not said, but I'll be surprised if he doesn't start, you know, to open the week at Washington, which would put him in line to start that, uh, in the Mets series. I mean, that series is looming huge, obviously. And, and this is also a way to uh, to uh, give him a little extra rest. He's up over 130 innings now, which is about 35 more than he pitched last year. And even though he's showing no sign of fatigue, I think they're probably looking at it as, you know, if he goes all the way through the postseason, you're going to end up being, you know, he could end up being 160 innings. Yeah. So I think this was a good way. I mean, he was. I mean, I'm not doubting that he was a little sore, but I don't think it's something that normally would have probably kept him from starting. So, I th- but I think this was a real smart move more than anything. He sure, right. he sure no sign. Show, he certainly didn't show any signs of being sore in that last outing. No, he looks great. You know that if you go into the training room during the season, there's. I mean, if you sat in there for two hours, somebody comes in for something. You right. Know, every guy comes in for something, and there's a lot of these things that, you know. Yeah, you'd pitch through if um, if it works out and it's and it lines up with your schedule and everything. But this lining up with the way they probably would have wanted him to line up anyway, you just kind of push him back a day and not to cause any kind of you know frenzy. You just say it's it's just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and right. It's one of those things that just kind of works with I think the plan, and that's when you do it and bring it up. And I am sure. I mean, he hasn't thrown this many innings before, so it's something I'm sure they're trying to keep an eye on. 
Yeah, because if he would have pitched his regular turn this weekend here in Philly, he would not he would not have been in line to pitch in that Mets series. And you certainly want to have him pitching one of those three games in that Mets series. You uh, want him pitching, yeah, in any big game, you want to give him a chance to be on the mound. I mean, every game is big, you know, at this point because I got to win as many as I can. But uh, I think they have a better chance of beating the Mets with him on the mound than they would, you know, if he did not pitch one of those games. So. Um, he looks great and he's showing no sign of fatigue and that's really huge for them because man, if he's pitching like he has been lately in the postseason, I don't. you got like your chances. I mean, cause that's the kind of wipeout stuff. He's got stuff that he can, he can dominate any team, you know? I know. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking this morning, I was like, I know he doesn't have the track record and you don't know what somebody's going to do in the postseason, but if you had a wild card game right now, it'd be hard not to start him. Yeah. This guy's not going to be, he is he has not been phased by anything so far, and he's just such a sharp, intelligent guy that I just can't see the big lights or anything affecting him. I really can't. He stepped up to every challenge, and he's just such a calm, you know, uh, really aware guy of everything. He's just so mature, and I just I I really feel really confident in him. Even more than I did say last year when Kyle Wright came up and pitched his ass off in the World Series, but I I didn't know how he would respond to that. You know, I I am confident of uh, of Strider, so I like their foursome with the, with those three and Charlie. I like that foursome in the in the postseason, and you're certainly going to need four starters. So if they go, you know, beyond that first round, uh, and, and of course they still want to win the division and avoid that first round if at all possible, because you don't want to go into the Dodgers here. You don't want to face the Dodgers in the second round with your, you know, number four guy pitching game one. Um, you just, you'd much rather be able to line up your starters and go at the Dodgers full tilt. Cause I like the brave starters against the Dodgers starters. If they can line them up, yeah. go with their best, go with their best guys. The Dodgers, you know, rotation has got a lot of injury concerns right now. And, uh, I'd really like the Braves rotation going up against the Dodgers if they don't have to play that first round. Yeah. I, you know, I, and it's tough too, because it's hard for me to look at like, you know, Kershaw's regular season, even though he's having a great regular season, he's been banged up a little bit, but it's like guys like Charlie and Kershaw. I don't care how they did in the regular season. Right. Something about when those bright lights come on. Um, but still, I mean, I like, uh, <laughs> I, you could almost, you know, the top three for the Braves right now, you could almost just hit shuffle and line it up any way you want. And I don't really care who pitches one, two, or three. Yep. Charlie's been a little step behind, but he's still Charlie Morton. Right. Right. Yeah, that first three, I don't think you can go wrong with that in any order. I agree. Just you probably want to do it, uh, you know, based on trying to vary the look as much as you can from day to day to day. But, uh, that won't be a problem because all three of them are so different. I mean, They're, you got, yeah. So you got a big, tall, rangy lefty with a big breaking ball and, and Freed who throws hard too. You got Kyle with his nasty stuff, big, tall right hander. And then you got Strider who's just a freak, a unicorn. You know? Yeah, he might as well not be left or right handed with the fastball he has. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't, I don't think with these guys it matters if you go left, right, right, or right, left, right, you know, because. Like you said, it's just three different looks. Um, Kyle's got more of the sinker slider, <laughs> Freed's lefty with a hammer, and then Strider's fastball is just something that 
that you're not seeing around the league. Like he's all by himself with yeah. that fastball. So I don't think it matters. Yeah. So in this four game Philly series, they got a break in that uh, Wheeler came back last night. He missed a month and he came back last night through four scoreless with two hits against the, against the Blue Jays. So he will not pitch in this four game series against the Phillies. And they're, they're on a roll right now, man. They're playing good ball. Um, so it's going to be tough matchup still, though. I mean, the Phillies got some pitching, and you're looking at you're looking at Freed versus Ranger Suarez, who's pitched really well this year tonight. I mean, if Freed's on his game, you got to like him in that one. But it's a tough matchup. You got Odorizzi against Nola. That's a real tough matchup. Yeah, Braves. But the Braves hit Nola better than most teams do. Yeah. So, and then you got Kyle Wright. On Saturday, going against Bailey Falter. Falter's pitched real well this year, lefty. But Kyle Wright's, you know, major league wins leader for a reason. Yeah. And uh, and so consistent. I mean, this guy gives you six, seven innings every time out. Allows usually one or no runs. And at most, two runs. So, two earned runs. So, that's pretty much what he's done every time out. And Ever since Sunday, he learned how to minimize the damage, it's, he's oh just been God. a different guy. Night and day, yeah. And then Sunday, you got Charlie going against Kyle Gibson. So, should be a good series, real good series. And it's obviously hugely important. I mean, the, uh, before you go to Washington, where you really, you know, you really hope to sweep the Nationals. I know anything can happen on a given night with a, with a good start from a Nationals pitcher, but you really want to go up there looking to sweep that series before you face the Mets in the biggest series of the year, probably. You, you know what's so tough about this time of year and the Mets playing so well is the Braves are on pace to win over 100 games or yeah. at least 100. And yeah, on pace to win out 102. You look at a series yeah. against the Nationals where you don't sweep them as like a disappointment, but throughout yeah. the season, if you win, that I mean, all you're trying to do is win series. And yesterday there was a base running blunder or whatever, but it, yeah. I mean, it was another good series. You know, you took two out of three. It's it's just tough with. <laughs> Being in a division where two teams are going to win 100 games. Yeah, it's going to be the Braves' first time to win 100 games since, uh, I think, 2003 they won 101. Yeah. They, they've already won, like, five more games than they won last year. Yeah, and they won the World <laughs> Series. And they still got almost two weeks left in the season. They do got yeah. yeah, it's crazy, man. It's, it's tough not to get wrapped up in the drama of it, and you definitely want to avoid that first round. But, I mean, who won the NL West last year? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it, nobody remembers. I think it's going to I think this this competition, this tense competition is really going to benefit both teams in the postseason. They're going to go in having played state, you know, foot to the gas the whole way. And with intense competition every day, instead of, you know, that lull before going in, you know, both teams are going to be trying to win the division all the way to the end. They're not going to be like, OK, we'll settle for the wild card. So I think it's. I think both teams are going to go into the postseason, the Mets and the Braves, you know, playing good ball and and uh, and intense, you know, and not and not have to flip that switch the way the Braves sometimes did, you know, back in the '90s, early 2000s when they kind of clinched early, like the Dodgers have done this year, and yeah. then you kind of catch your breath and line up your rotation and all that. Well, the Braves a lot of times had trouble flipping that switch and going back to intense mode and, and a lot of times they got caught in that first round kind of uh asleep before they could get going again next thing you know they lose that first game and and uh you know you're you're, you're trying to play catch up so it's like adrenaline practice you know leading leading into the playoffs if you 
when you have adrenaline, like you, you just got this extra burst of energy, everything just fires a little quicker, a little different. And you have to kind of breathe and calm yourself down. And when you go straight from, you know, like six games, you wrap up the season in Miami and Pittsburgh and you've got a seven game lead and you're going to the playoffs like that. Adrenaline's just yeah. not there. And then the playoffs hit and all of a sudden you're wired and you, you know, you have to calm yourself down and figure out how to play like that. I think it's good to have, I guess I'd call it like high adrenaline reps leading into the postseason, So it's not such a foreign feeling. And we saw that last year with the Braves. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were playing right to the end trying to win that division. They didn't clinch that division until the last week. So it was a, yeah, it was a, they, they were pushed, man. They had to really play well for a long stretch. And that's what they got to do this year. So, cause they really do want to win the division, man. There's still a game behind. And, and that's why I think that's what, you know, everything's so magnified at this point. If that base running blunder had happened in, you know, April, May, June, you know, you'd have already turned the page and not be talking about it. But yesterday it felt like it was a kind of a, an opportunity wasted as it turned out. Cause the Mets end up losing big to the, to the Brewers. I mean, the Mets have got to be kicking themselves cause the Braves lose earlier in a game the night before, uh, or yesterday rather the Braves lose it. And then the Mets give up, five runs or something like that in the, in the seventh inning, you end up getting blown out a little bit. Brewers. So yeah. yeah, they had a chance to gain another half game on the Braves and did not. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. You know, everybody's going to ask about that. I, I don't think there's a real clear, uh, there's nobody, everybody wants somebody to be, to take all the blame for that blunder yesterday. Yeah. I don't think anybody can take all the blame, but I thought Wash was clearly, indecisive in that you can't wave Riley home. He's a 230-pound guy. Wave him home, and Riley's going full tilt by that point around third base and then throw up the stop sign when he's party past third base. I mean, he's lucky he didn't, you know. I mean, <laughs> that, that I'm, I'm surprised he was able to stop and get back as, as quickly as he did. So I thought Wash was at, blame, at fault there, but I thought uh, also Contreras was at fault in that he was going, you got, I mean, you got to credit the intensity. Contreras is trying to get to third after he gets that yeah. good read on it. Riley didn't get a good read. Contreras did. But at the same time, you got to be aware, you know, young guys, you can't, you can't just put your head down and run like you're, you know, in a hundred meter dash with not being aware of what's happening in front of you. Cause anything could happen. I mean, Riley could fall down, you know, he could trip and you got to be aware of that, not just running full bore. So, I thought I thought Wash made a mistake there, which is you know uncharacteristic of Wash, and and that was a little late to do that to a 230 pound, 240 pound guy. And I thought Contreras needed to be a little more aware of uh, what was happening in front of him rather than get he was almost to third base, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, if Contreras, he's not. You can't just run the bases staring at the third base coach. You know, you're kind of taking a look. You got to hit the bag. You look up again. You know, I think it was just an awkward play. The timing right. of it, I don't, I don't think it's like this huge, crazy right. blunder. I think it's just an awkward play. Uh, Contreras had the ball in front of him, so he could see whether second baseman was going to catch that yep. ball or not. Riley had to go like he's not facing that direction. He's trying to turn to third, so he has to look and watch. And then he gets kind of, I mean, goes back to the bag. <laughs> you know, turns on the Jets and tries to go around third. Wash threw up a late stop sign. And I'm sure Contreras looked up and saw Wash waving. And he's yeah. about to put his – got to put your head down and run at that point. He's a catcher. So I don't think it's like this massive mess yeah. up. I think it was just an unfortunate, you know, 
play. You know, it's, it's stuff yeah. that happens and you can focus on one base running blunder. You can look at it and say, shit, we scored two runs. You know, I yeah. mean, you can, you can look at the whole game and, and there's plenty of things that pop up throughout the game that, that cost you o- over that one play. Um, but really for me, when I watched it, I wasn't like, oh, this guy dicked up, that guy messed up. I think Wash definitely threw up a late stop sign. Yeah. Um, and Contreras has to be looking up. And I mean, I just wish people could understand how fast that's happening. Exactly. You know, I mean, when you're watching it, you get 17 replays. It's easy to dissect. Yeah. But when it's happening full speed. Yeah. I mean, you got people criticizing Contreras who've never, who haven't ran full speed in 10 years. Yeah. You know, you yeah. start running full speed and you're trying to. You're in the major leagues, you know. There's a lot happening, so I don't. Crowds think, roaring, crowds roaring. You're thinking, it, you know, it's that. Yeah, it's intense, man. There's so much happening, and it, there's a lot going on. And yeah, they're pro athletes, and they got to be able to handle it. But I just don't think it was a massive dick up. I just think it was yeah. just kind of an awkward play that that cost them. Yeah, I mean, they've had some base running mistakes lately, some small ones, some you know medium ones, and they, you know, it, so it kind of adds up, and it kind of seems like they've been a little bit sloppy on the bases lately, and I think that's why they had a team meeting the day before that. I, I call, ironically, um, yep. but uh, yeah, yesterday's was one of those things where just a couple of little things ends up being a big play, but it wasn't like anybody just really screwed up totally. But uh, but you know, one thing about the the speed of the game, man. I tell people, if you ever get a chance to go to spring training game, go down to the as yeah. close as you can get to the field, go to the railing and just watch an inning because you will be stunned at how fast major league baseball games are. Even if you even if you go to minor league games and you got yeah. good seats at minor league games, there is a noticeable difference in the game, the minor league games, the college games and the in the major league games. There is a noticeable difference in the speed of everything. And that's that's the biggest thing guys struggle with as they climb the levels is the game just gets faster and faster and faster. Yeah. And these guys are able to make the correct decisions on the fly, you know, without even really thinking about it. Like it just becomes natural to them because they get used to that speed of the game. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, even if you watch like if you watch an NBA game on TV. Yeah. It's like, all right, these guys are kind of cruising up and down the court. You get some seats close to courtside. And you see a six eight dude just flying down the court. It's yeah, you know, it's it's hard to appreciate on TV the speed that all these guys are running. And even like a slow major leaguer, you know, people making fun of Olsen. Yeah. If they tried to have a foot race with him, he probably smokes them. Yeah, that but man, just watching a play develop though, like a guy, like a bang bang play at first base, it happened yeah. so fast, man. The running, the the throwing. And the guys, the guys, the infielders field balls and throw harder than any so much better so much quicker than what you see at lower levels it's just so precise it's there is nothing i mean it's it's maximum you know efficiency which you have to do to get major league runners out and as a runner you have to be you have to go full board if you have any chance of beating out an infield hit yeah yeah i just i think that's i mean that's how i break it down is i just don't it's hard to criticize that too heavily for me because I know how fast the game is and plays like that happen. Yeah. So much well, faster when you're running full speed than when you're watching on TV. Let's, uh, you want to take a couple questions here, man? Yeah. Let's open it up. Who we got? Jeremy P. What's up, Jeremy? What's up, Jeremy? Hey, guys. Um, first, I just want to say that's a really good point you guys make about the Braves are clearly having a better regular season this year yeah, this yeah. year 
but because of where they are in the standings, everybody's perspective is all jumbled up. And, yep. and because of the year the Mets are having, it's like, oh, we're, you know, we lose a game to the Nationals and it's, you know. But um, yeah, well, I was, these are two of the best three teams. Right. And these are two of the best three teams in the National League. I, I want to talk about, and these com- there were some comments that uh, kind of have uh, strengthened what I think on these day games. I mean, everything seemed to be, you were talking about hopefully we sweep the Nats. Uh, when we play them next, well, we had a chance to sweep them yesterday, and uh, everything was in our favor except it was a day game. Um, that seems to be what what comes against us. And then um, I saw somebody say, and I've just noticed this year, but um, during Snickers' whole time, that uh, this Braves have kind of struggled more in day games than night games. And I don't know if you would know anything uh, about that DOB, but uh, just. You guys, you know, have, have you thought about that? What goes on? I kind of think it's maybe a preparation thing where they don't get the same. You know, they already have optional batting practice. You guys talked about that a month or two ago. Uh, ago. So when they come into uh, day games, you know, are they getting even less kind of prep? And because it's especially the hitters that struggle. So just want to see if you guys would kick that around a little bit. Uh, I don't. I don't. You know, I mean, let me uh, mute you real quick because it's echoing. Um, you know, for me, I, I pitched great in day games my whole career and I have zero reasoning for it. It just worked out. Um, we had a year where we lost on Monday all the time until like, I don't know, mid August or something. And we started wearing high pants and we started winning on Mondays. Um, there's just, there's something, you know, the only thing I can think of is that the Braves, you know, typically don't give teams getaway days, so they're they're used to playing it at night more. Um, but that's just speculation. Um, I don't think it's a preparation thing. They know they've struggled in day games for whatever reason. They just continue to struggle in them. You know, there's just some things that happen in a major league season that have no explanation, and that's one of them for me. I'm going to make an just an assess, assessment of what I've seen. Something that I've noticed. And it might be entirely wrong. It might have no effect on what's happening. But, I mean, at this point, anybody is speculating because, I, you know, we've asked the players, we've asked Snit, we've asked everybody, and nobody seems to have an answer. But to me, I mean, what you're talking about with BP, almost nobody takes BP before day games. That's why if you get there, you're a fan, you're disappointed because nobody takes it, especially at a 12-20 start. Right. That's the problem. I don't know why they start a game at 12-20. I really don't. Throws I mean, your clock uh, off. Huh? It throws your clock off. I mean, you in a major league season, you're going to bed at 2 a.m. every night. Yeah, I mean, and you play the night before, so I don't understand why you would start any earlier than like 1:20. I mean, there's a the Braves have a problem with the parking. Is why they don't have more day games because you know they use these businesses parking around. They, yeah. they That's one thing that they didn't do when they built. It's about the only thing they didn't do right when they built that place. They don't have enough parking, so they have to use a lot of businesses around, which is why it's hard to have day games. But they have to have them if the visiting team is flying more than two hours. So that was a major league rule. Um, But so so hardly anybody takes hitting takes BP before uh, day games. But the Braves – have a lot of show and goes on day games, especially if they play the night before. And Snit's really good about getting guys rest and all that, and they appreciate it and all that. But I think maybe they could use a little more, get there a little earlier for those day games. Because I, I, I just think 
when you go from doing certain things a certain way for a few hours, you get prepped for a night game, whether, even if BP is optional, most guys still hit for those night games. And if they don't, they hit in the cage indoors. They do something, you know. But even the guys that don't hit, they're loosening up. They're doing their things. With the day games, I've noticed that they just they, – they, they have a lot of later – they can get there late, and they just don't have a lot of time to get going, to get ready. Yeah. And I think it could affect them. I really do. I, I'm not saying that every every other team, you know, gets there three hours early or anything, but I just think that Snit uh, maybe it, it's a little late in the game to do it now, but uh, and because in the postseason, you know, it's not going to be a problem. It damn sure better not be a problem. You're not going to have show and goes for a you know playoff game that starts at one. Yeah. <laughs> so. But I think during the regular season, that is a problem at times. And I think they could stand to get there an hour earlier, some of the guys, and get going. Just get the juices flowing, man. Have a couple more cups of coffee. Have a couple – do whatever you have to do to get loosened up, warmed up indoors in the cage, throwing, whatever it is. Um, I really think they can stand to get there a little earlier on some of those. And that's just my amateur assessment. And I might be entirely wrong. And some of the players might hear this and go, no, nah, that ain't it. But, but to me, that's just what I've observed. And I think they get off the slow. It seems like they come out in day games and some and, and have a tough time stringing together one or two hits or, or a couple of hits and getting anything going offensively. Just so many day games where they get where you look up and they've got one hit in the first five innings. So that's yeah. Just- I mean, it, there there might be some to that. There's definitely like there's a tendency on those day games to just be in you know Sunday mode and just yeah. kind of cruising into it. Um, I don't know. I'd like to think these guys are professional athletes that that they know what they need to do to to prepare for those games and get themselves going. But hey, I mean, I guess you could definitely. I mean, I I would fall into that trap sometimes. Luckily, I was a reliever, so it didn't matter. Right, um, right. But I'd fall into that trap of another cup of coffee and watch Sports Center for another half hour, forty yeah. minutes, and and just kind of drag yourself into your daily routine and and come in a little sleepy, but. I would just, you know, for me, I got to, I would give the guys the benefit of the doubt that they're doing what they need to do to prepare. And it's almost like, honestly, a lot of times if you have, I've been on teams that, you know, you take full BP on a day game and all of a sudden I got to start my routine at eight o'clock. Right. Right. And that's not realistic. I don't think. No, it, it's, it happens though. And it sucks. Yeah. So you got to, you got to start all your personal prep because your, your window to get ready for the game goes from. Yeah, you get there at two for a seven o'clock game. You got five hours to get ready. On a day game after a night game, you're probably getting to the park nine thirty, and BP would be at ten ten if if you were hitting it, or or you know ten thirty somewhere around there, even if it's optional. So all of a sudden, your whole routine's kind of sped up, and you don't have time to do the individual things you need to do to get ready for the game. So for me, I loved when we didn't hit because it was like. Okay, now I could take my time and get right. We'll go out and throw it like eleven thirty or twelve, and I'll feel the same. Um, I don't know, you know, how that affects position players routines. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, you got to look at it too. Like how are they playing the day after a night game? Yeah. How, are, if you have the whole team up at, you know, seven thirty after a night game and they're, they got BP at 10 o'clock players hate you for that. Yeah. That, you're losing two hours of sleep and it might catch up with you the next day too. So, I mean, it's, it's yeah. a tough one, but I just got to give guys the benefit of the doubt that, um, they'd know what they need to do to prepare. And if anything needed to change, it'd be just kind of a meeting about it. Like, Hey guys, we suck in day games. Get your shit going, you know, kind of. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about, and I know they can't get there and take full BP and all that. That'd be stupid. Guys would be out there bitter about it and stuff. It would be counterproductive. 
and and I think and I don't think consciously that anybody is trying or you know that goes you know what I should be here earlier. I just think it, these a lot of these are really young guys, man, in their first seasons. You know, yeah. So maybe they don't they don't know you know they that you have, have to learn stuff. kind of what you need to be doing to get ready for those games. That that right. can make sense. And I and I just see the time that they have to report for these day games sometimes, and I'm going. That's so different than any night game that they have. As far as yeah. it'd be like if they had a a, a seven you know seven twenty start, and they were and they could get there at uh, five four fifty. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's just uh because I've I've wondered the same thing. I mean, they're you know they're four games under five hundred in day games, and they're forty one games over five hundred in night games. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty glaring. <laughs> yeah, no, that's hard to argue with. I mean, if anything, if you're I mean, a 500 like, team in day games, you'd be three games up in the in the division. Yeah, I think that the only thing I would change if I was managing is maybe just talk to guys like, hey, let's all get a sweat going. You know, yeah. wake the body up, get exactly. moving. You know, just a little earlier and and try to wake up. But like I said, we had that year we couldn't win on Mondays. You know, it's like, what well, what were we doing on Mondays? Yeah. Who knows? It wasn't anything different. You know, sometimes years just stack up like this. I don't know how they played on uh, day games last year, but sometimes these things just happen in baseball and you can analyze them all you want. And there's just yeah. zero explanation. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. Aaron F. What's up, Aaron? Hey, how's it going, guys? Not bad. Yeah. So uh, I know Dave already kind of talked about it for a minute there and uh, you commented on it as well, Eric, but, uh, just the overall intensity um, going into the playoffs, you know, winning the division versus going in as a wild card. I, I kind of feel like the Braves had a good advantage last year, uh, kind of fighting up until the end. And that may be the case this year as well. But just want to get you guys thoughts. You know, do you think that there's any advantage uh, to playing in the wild card versus winning the division? Just having that intensity. And do you think it could play out a little bit uh, better uh, for us uh, if they do? I I think that any advantage you get in staying sharp yeah. because there is something to that having you don't you you kind of worry a little bit if your team has like six games off while the other teams are playing the division series or five days off you know but I think any any positive there is to that is outweighed by far outweighed by having to use your first two or three best starting pitchers yeah, I agree. And and skipping around. You know, I mean you can't lose that round if you don't play in it. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think you guys kind of commented on this as well, but you know, I think the Braves are definitely set up a little bit better going into that type of a situation than the Mets would. I, I, overall, I think the our top 4 is probably better than the Mets top 4 obviously with DeGrom and Scherzer, they're pretty well set up, but I think to you guys point you know, you could pretty much line up any of our top four as a starter yeah. in game one, and they'd be pretty well set up, even yeah, if they the had Mets to go had through to the play, wild card. If the Mets had to play a wild card series, they would yeah. have to use DeGrom and Scherzer. And think about it. Neither of those guys is a guy you're going to bring back on short rest at all. Not right. at this point. Scherzer, yeah, earlier in his career, but not now. And certainly not DeGrom. He's been going on extra rest ever since he came off the I.L. And he's headed into free agency, so he might be a little more reluctant. Yeah, they're like wondering how he's going to pitch on regular rest in the postseason. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah, I think that would be the biggest advantage is you know if you were looking at matching up with the Mets or another team, um, 
the biggest advantage for me would be their starting pitching getting jacked up versus you know you having to use yours because I think the Braves are they're not 100% interchangeable but they're pretty strong one through four if you could dick up another team's you know their plan by them having to use you know Scherzer and DeGrom that'd be a pretty big benefit and it's certainly not the same but you could have a couple of uh you know inter squad type games in that interim because you got to do something to stay sharp you have but, to but it's not it's not the same but man to be able to line up your best three starters, best four starters, any way you want for round, your first round in the uh, in a division series would be pretty huge compared to the alternative of having to use two or th- all three of your top three starters in that wildcard series. Yeah, and I definitely I do think there's an advantage of getting that that first really high adrenaline game out of the way. But after game one in a, in a five or seven game series, I don't think it's it's as big of a factor. But obviously, game one's a big deal. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. Harry B. What's up, Harry? What's hi. Up, Harry? Hi. Uh, Mike Soroka is my question. Um, obviously, we all love him. We great story. I really was hoping to see him maybe soon. But I guess the real question now is, do you think he's going to get on the playoff roster? Do you think they're going to? Let him no, see some no. innings. No, he's not done anything, not done anything to, to, to warrant being on the playoff roster. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if he was never, dealing, dealing, he's never pitched in. He's never pitched in relief in his career. And coming off this Achilles thing, I think the last thing you want to do is have him not knowing when he's going to be re- when he's going to be called upon or whatever. So all of a sudden, you're going to go. You've never pitched in relief in your career, and you're coming off something that no pitcher has ever come back from. So get in there and throw a few innings of relief and they got a bullpen. They, they only need like four guys going strong in their bullpen because they hope to God, they don't need a long reliever, you know, at some point in the, in the uh, postseason. But if they do, they've got one or two of those guys, you know, that, that can go multiple innings like a McHugh or a sure Bryce does. Elder. Bryce Elder might end up being that long guy in the thing. Yeah. But, but Bryce Elder is certainly, more qualified or more uh, suited to do that long relief role right now than, than Soroka is. The last thing I'd, I'd ever do is give Soroka an adrenaline shot and put him in a random inning, you know, like yeah. mess with his preparation and jack him up with energy. Um, and then I, he's I just, coming off the mound trying to field the ball because he can't, you know, he's got to do it. He's yeah. there for one inning. I, I wouldn't, you know, if he was absolutely dealing and there was a couple starters really falling off right now, um, and you felt like you really yeah. needed a little extra depth. Yeah, you know, I'd think about it. But even then, I I just can't imagine a situation where he where I would want to put him into just a, kind of a, a situation where he can't prepare perfectly coming off this second Achilles surgery. I'd I'd want to have him hundred percent ready. I want him knowing when he's going to pitch. Um, I think it'd be cool, you know, if, I mean, if they clinch the division or something, to right. get him an inning or, or give him a start toward the end of the season. I think that'd be pretty damn cool for him just to step back on yeah. a major league mound. But as far as playoffs go and him not throwing his best right now and coming off the injury, I wouldn't, it's something I wouldn't push at all. Yeah. I thought if they, if it's settled, either they're going to, if, if they clinch the, uh, the, uh, division, or if the Mets clinch the division before that last, before or during that Marlins series, I mean, I could see giving Soroka one of those starts if they don't mean anything. You know what I mean? Because you don't yeah. want to use one of your main guys. 
And I could see Elder getting a start, too, because he's pitched really well in his two starts against the Marlins and also against in his start the other day against the Nationals. He's done a great job in his three spot starts yeah. since he first got demoted. So, yeah, I could, that's the only way I could see Soroka getting a start before the year's over is if uh, those those Marlin games don't mean anything. Yeah. Then yeah, then that might really help him going into the offseason if he you know if he could if he could pitch you know three or four innings in one of those games. Yeah, and I, I even if you know for me if if they could guarantee him the ninth or just hey you know th- this guy's going three you have the fourth inning or something let him fully prepare right piggyback uh, I, maybe I, I think that'd be pretty cool for him if if you want to let him rack up a few innings or I mean I just it's. It's a really cool story when he gets back on the major league mound, but it's it's not the top priority, and his health's the top priority number one. But I do think it'd be really cool if they could find a way to get him out there this year, just for for him yeah. for closure to to be back on the mound and and get to look forward to next season. But I don't think, uh, I mean, right now I don't think that the thing's going to be settled until no, <laughs> maybe until the last day of the season, but probably not before that Marlins series. Certainly not until the uh, Met series is over. Yes, it's been this way the whole year. Yeah. Kelly W. Hey, Eric. It's Kelly. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing well. I have a quick question. You okay. brought up starting rotation earlier. I'm looking at the back end. How close do you think the competition will be between Kenley and Edwin? Or, or let me put it a little bit clearer. Do you think Kenley will come back from next, his the recent the recent losses. Oh. Yeah, I mean he's he's been through it. If you you know, if you look at the last however many years with the Dodgers, he's had spurts like this throughout his time. Um I mean me and Dave have talked about it. I I wouldn't be afraid to have Iglesias close. Um and if he struggles in the postseason early, I think you kinda gotta have a quick trigger on that. Um but at the same time, he's bounced back from a lot. He looked better yesterday. Um, it's just kind of a situation I think you got to play by ear. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm concerned about Diaz, but again, I wouldn't rule Jensen out. Yeah, Snit, uh, Snit is Snit is loyal to a fault, if anything, to his guys. And uh, and with Kinley, he's not he's not had the uh, he's not jerked him out of the role like uh, you know they did and like Dave Roberts did a couple of times. Including during the postseason, if people yeah. if people remember, he wasn't closing all the games in 2020 when they won the World Series. So, I think Kenley does appreciate the fact that Snit stood by him. But at the same time, if Snit pulled him from that role, it also wouldn't be the first time it's happened to him. But he has pitched better in like three out of the last four. And you know what? The other night, everybody was ragging on him, but that was that was two yeah. bunts, man. Yeah, I mean they're they're laying down bunts, and one of them was a little blue bunt. That was like in the no man's land. I mean, it was just that was ridiculous. I mean, it's a six foot six guy, two hundred and eighty pounds or seventy pounds, trying to go field this bunt. He's lucky he didn't get hurt. <laughs> yeah. And then they put down another bunt, and it just kind of went sideways. But he didn't pitch bad in that game. Then they get a single, a legit single. But it, even that, that wasn't like they were crushing the ball off of him. I didn't think he pitched that bad at all in that game. I thought he looked better. I thought his cutter looked tighter. Yeah, yep. just the, just the swings he was getting. Those when I see him getting those cutters up in the zone and righties, you can tell they're waiting for it to break, and it breaks late, and they swing late, and they swing under it. That's when I can tell his cutters um, really tight and looking good. Um, but yeah, that inning the other day it was like 
you know, bunt. And then the second bunt, you know, I think Olsen got an error on. Yeah. Um, so unearned run. Uh, and those are one of the, that's one of those tests too. It's like when you're going terrible and an inning starts out like that <laughs> and starts to unravel, you know, kind of yeah. controlling it and keep throwing good pitches. And he did. I mean, he gave up a single, but I mean, he gave up a single in an inning. It's not a big deal for a closer. <laughs> And, and really, he was all out of sorts at that point, or, or you know, at least he'd been. They had to come out and check on him. The trainer did because he's a big man, and 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 his neck and back got a little out of whack on that. You know, trying to feel that bunt when he ran into, I think it was Grissom. He ran into him, and and, and you know, it's just like it was a weird inning. So that I, was one of those innings you have when you're going bad. Yeah, you know, when when things are just kind of piling up on you, and he did a good job controlling. But I it. thought he pitched pretty pretty well in the previous yeah. like three three out of the previous four outings and uh, he's shown some progress for sure. So, but it's nice. They got this depth because I mean, very few teams have the depth they do in the bullpen. Uh, the Mets have a better closer. Obviously they got the best yeah. closer on the planet right now. Yeah. Uh, but the Braves bullpen is better than the Mets bullpen. As far as depth yeah. wise, if you're going to go like five deep, the Braves is better. And I'm including Matzik in that. He's not back where he was last year for sure, but he's showing some signs of getting there. But, you yeah. know, Mentor's pitching well again now, and Iglesias has been lights out since they got him. That was a great trade. That was a great trade. Yeah. Well, I'll take Tupac over Narco any day. All right. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Kelly. Thanks, sir. Thanks, David. Yep. Thank you. Trey S., last question. What's up, Trey? How you doing, Eric? Not bad, man. Good, good. So, um, assuming that we end up in the wild card round, just for the sake of this conversation, I would assume that in all likelihood, Freed is going to start game one, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, let's assume again that we win game one. Would you consider maybe saving Strider nope. or down the road <laughs> and potential, or do you play your best two cards right off the bat? You got to win it. You got to yeah. get through that series for me. Yeah, because gotcha. if you win, if you win it in two games, then you got Kyle Wright to start game three for you, yeah. or game one right. in the next round right. for you. Yeah, if well, you try uh, to get cute like that, then you you're going to end up. Yeah. Anytime in that. baseball, you start counting your cards ahead of time. <laughs> Especially in the, the postseason. Especially yeah. in the postseason, man. Right. That will bite you in the ass. You got to use your best guys and win the thing and get done. Yeah, you win game right. one. You say we want to game win game two, be done. Have Kyle start game one of the division series and. Keep going, gotcha. you know. Yeah, I mean that's assuming gotcha. he starts Strider in two. I don't even know if he will. I mean, Snip loves right. loves Kyle Wright. So, but whatever order he has, I don't think he's going to change that based on whether they win, you know, game one. But I, I, would I only, think if I had to guess, I think it'd be Strider in game two. I really do. Right, because his ceiling is is so high. Yes, and that's yeah. the safety, I guess, with Freed is his floor. I guess would be a little bit higher. But in my head, I guess I was just thinking it'd be nice to potentially have Strider available if we were to win game two to start game one. But I think you're right. Well, you might have him anyway, but I think that, you know, just the thought process of looking forward to the next series before you handle the first round is just a it's just the baseball gods hate that. Right. Okay. cool. That was my question. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Love you guys. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much to all who turned out to the live room. It was a great time. Again, if you want to be notified when we do host the live rooms, not only should you subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get the podcast, but also make sure you are a member of The Athletic. 
Perfect deal going on right now. $1 a month for six months at theathletic.com slash 755. You can't beat it. Less than a cup of coffee for the best sports writing in the biz and also your guys' favorite Braves podcast. And just a quick show update as well before we head out. We will be back next Tuesday with another live room. Eric's on vacation, so we're going to have to do some remote finagling and logistical stuff. So we're going to be doing another live room next week on Tuesday. Make sure you guys are following us on all the platforms, as mentioned before, and the guys on Twitter, so you know when we will be hosting that live room. From David and Eric, we're out. 755 is real. See you guys next week.